0: Welcome back to A Year of Crime, as reported in the newspapers of West Tennessee. Today's episode focuses on January the 8th, 1886, and all of these articles come from the Bolivar Bulletin. As Douglas Blackman pointed out in his book, Slavery by Another Name, I'd like to make a note on language. Some of these articles use offensive racial labels. I decided to read the accounts as they were written to present the language of that time. I believe we must face our past, even the parts we'd prefer to sweep under the rug of history. I regret any offense caused by these ugly words. The Bolivar Bulletin, 8th of January, 1886. Dr. Slade, the spiritualist, was arrested at Weston, Virginia on the 29th, charged with obtaining money under false pretenses and giving seances for pay. Hannah Keene and Josephine E. Rust, two women arrested at Springfield, Massachusetts, charged with disturbing a meeting of the Salvation Army, pleaded guilty in the police court, and were fined and paid $1.22 each. The City Council of Vincennes, Indiana, has bounced the entire night police force Eugene Crandall, Jacob Metzger, Gottlieb Vick and Tom Shea, whom Mayor Wilhelm and the Committees on Police found off-duty one night recently between 12 and 1 o'clock. On the 30th, Lt. Jones of the 4th United States Artillery committed suicide at Fort Adams rather than be court-martialed for overstaying his leave of absence. On the 2nd, Oliver Dowd Byron was convicted at Cincinnati, Ohio of violating the law prohibiting theatrical performances on Sunday. He was not present to receive sentence. This next section of the paper is titled Crimes and Casualties, and it has a list of various crimes and casualties. The first one is about Alfred Painter, proprietor of the Hotel Windsor at Toledo, Ohio, who was shot through the abdomen by Henry A. Miller. He died on the 29th. Miller is in jail. Fire at the Peacock coal mine near Mineral Ridge, Ohio, on the 29th, destroyed all the buildings, causing a loss of $10,000 and throwing 100 men out of employment. At midnight on the 29th, fire broke out in the cargo of the steamship Ryerson loaded with cotton at New Orleans. The extent of the damage was not ascertained. John Bone and William Bentley of Rush Run, Ohio, became involved in a fight on the 29th over the ownership of a wagon load of corn. Finally bone seized a half a fence rail and struck Benley on the head killing him almost instantly Santa Taylor killed Edward Purdue on the 29th with a knife the parties lived on adjoining farms near Yanktown Indiana and are members of influential families Purdue leaves a wife and child the murder is a result of a quarrel over stock John Harrington residing in New York had a quarrel with his wife on the 29th he seized a hatchet and struck her in the head, killing her on the spot. Harrington was arrested. Fire broke out in the store of John Hagerman at Juliastown, New Jersey, on the 29th. The store, with its contents, were destroyed, as were three dwelling houses. It was found that much of the goods were missing, creating the impression that the store had been robbed and then set fire to. Frederick Foote killed Andrew Brink in Fenton, Michigan. On the 30th, Henry G. Kemper, a small grocer of Cincinnati, Ohio, was found murdered in his store. A mulatto was suspected of the crime. The safe of the Ipswich, Massachusetts Post Office was blown open the night of the 30th and $600 in stamps and some money stolen. This is the sixth time the same safe has been burglarized in eight years. On the 30th, the body of Alfred Thorne was found in a hayloft at Rocky River near Cleveland, Ohio. Thorne was 51 years old, and his thought was from Syracuse, New York. Suicide was the manner of death. On the night of the 31st, James Kincaid was fatally shot by a burglar in Pennsylvania. On the 21st, John Turwell threw a hatchet at his son in Chicago and slightly wounded his daughter. Horrified at what he had done, he attempted suicide by cutting his throat with a razor. Jim Reynolds was found guilty of murder in the first degree at Sydney, Nebraska, for the murder of James and John Pinkston of Fairfield, Salem County, Missouri. Captain Garrock of the schooner Racer is under arrest at Boston, charged with scuttling the vessel. The penalty is death. On the 2nd, Daniel Osborne, arrested for forgery near Columbus, Ohio, was shot and killed by the marshal while attempting to fire at the latter. On the 3rd, a desperate attempt was made to burn the town of Tarrington, Pennsylvania. Gustav and Herman Nock had been arrested in Detroit, Michigan, charged with the murder of their mother. On the 3rd, the body of George A. Cooper was found in the woods near Columbus, Indiana, with his head badly beaten, one eye and part of the nose gone, and several bullet holes in the body. Evan Fox, suspected of the murder, is under arrest. Bishop Hannington, engaged in missionary services in Central Africa, has been seized by King Mombasa and will probably be put to death. In the Riverside, Pennsylvania Penitentiary, there are 330 idle convicts, the contracts in the iron, cigar, and broom departments having expired. The convicts employed in these departments will remain idle until they can be placed at rug-making or other industries the state may see fit to establish. These next few articles are not about crime, but they are interesting in light of the fact that we are in the middle of a pandemic. On the 2nd, the Newark, New Jersey children who were treated in Paris by Monsieur Pasteur sailed for home. The four children from New York who were bitten by a mad dog and who have been under the treatment of Monsieur Pasteur of Paris sailed from France for New York on the 2nd. They are all well. The American Pasteur Institute has been incorporated at New York with the object of introducing Pasteur's system of inoculation for hydrophobia in this country. Now, like if you're like me, I had to look up hydrophobia, and it means extreme or irrational fear of water, especially as a symptom of rabies in humans. And now back to crime. More trouble has broken out among the naval cadets in Annapolis, Maryland, and a court-martial is probable. Numerous West Virginia farmers have been swindled recently by accepting worthless checks from itinerant dealers and pay for stock. Frederick Fischel of New York, who stole $75,000 from his employers, went to Canada, was captured, taken back, is now lodged in prison for it. In London, a report is current that a number of modest fanatics entered the town of Snakeham and that a number of English were killed or wounded in the fight that followed. The next section of the paper is titled Late News Items. Elizabeth Knock, the mother of Frank Knock, who was murdered at Spring Wells, Michigan on the night of December the 15th with his entire family and the house burned to hide the crime, was murdered on the 2nd. Patrick Kane of Cleveland, Ohio, a lad 16 years old, drank whiskey in such quantities on New Year's Day that he died on the night of the 2nd. Oliver Dowd Byron was convicted in Cincinnati on the 2nd of violating the law prohibiting theatrical performances on Sunday. The Southern Hotel at New Orleans was burned on the 2nd. The inmates barely escaped with their lives and lost all their personal effects. Lost $17,000. The next section of the paper is titled Southern Gleanings. At Gainstown, Clark County, Alabama, a Negro murderer named Alexander R. Reed was captured a few days ago, chained to a tree, and slowly burned to death by a mob of whites and blacks. The governor of Virginia has pardoned from the penitentiary after serving five years James Young, who fatally shot George Hinton for a distasteful allusion to a lady. Fire destroyed eight stores, a large quantity of cotton, in the depot of the Alabama Great Southern Railroad at Collinsville, Tennessee, a few days ago. The fire originated in the post office and was the work of an incendiary. A shocking accident occurred at Richmond, Virginia the other day by which a youth aged 12 years was maimed for life. Three boys, Fado Spot, Ferrum Taylor, and Willie Cummings, took a flask of powder and a toy cannon and convinced to, commenced to charge and fire the cannon. A premature explosion of the powder in the flask tore off one of Spot's hands and injured the other so badly that it had to be partially amputated. The boy Taylor was badly burned, but Cummins escaped unhurt. New Orleans has never seen so bloody a Christmas week as that just passed. There were two murders Christmas Eve and one on each of the two following days. At Charleston, South Carolina, a few days since an Italian named Garetti fatally shot James P. Colburn, an insurance agent, and shortly afterwards blew his own brains out. Information is received of the death, a Beasley's Bend, Tennessee, of a young son of Ephraim Beasley from injuries accidentally inflicted by his father. Beasley, who was very nearsighted, was cutting wood when his son came in front of him and was struck by the axe, which split his skull. Beasley is nearly crazed with grief. John Peeler, living near the Meckleburg County, South Carolina line, was killed at a cakewalk held by the colored people a few nights ago. Peeler became involved in a quarrel with another man named Hauser, and some hot words passed, though no- nothing further occurred until sometime later when Hauser slipped up behind Peeler and shot him in the back. A quarrel arose a few days ago between Elip Wells, a white desperado, and a colored man named Jim Kramer at Townsville, South Carolina, during which Wells shot at Kramer with the Derringer. The bullet grazed Kramer's throat, passed through the clothes of Kramer's little boy, and struck a white boy and lodged in his body, inflicting a fatal wound. Wells was lodged in jail. In Mount Airy M.E. Church at Atlanta, Georgia, E.L.C. Jones is the pastor, and he was called upon a few nights ago to lead in some devotional exercises over a Christmas tree from the branches of which hung many useful and ornamental things. Everything was harmonious and pleasant until the presents on the tree were handed out, and then it began to be nosed around that the preacher was dividing up in the sort of way that gives turkey for me and crow for you or crow for you and turkey for me. The preacher's basket began to get pretty well filled when a dude said something about the matter and a bell took it up and a fight ensued. The preacher got on his muscle and put the dude out of church using both fist and feet in the performance. The brothers are all to appear in court. Three boys about 10 years of age while playing in a wrecked car near the Vicksburg and Meridian shops at Vicksburg, Mississippi a few days since found scattered powder on the floor mixed with sand and dirt. They swept it to one corner of the car and applied a match to it. One of them had his pants blown off of him and was seriously injured. The others were badly burned. Andy Green, colored, recently from Missouri, was fatally stabbed by George Jones, colored at New Orleans a few days ago. Jones had been released from the police jail to spend Christmas with his family. And the last thing that I want to point out, I'm not going to read this because it's quite long, but this is called Record of the Year, Wars, Earthquakes, Crimes, Accidents, and Fatalities, The World in Miniature, Many Deeds in Many Lands, How History Was Made from Day to Day in 1885. And it truly is a list day to day, month by month, of what happened around the world in 1885. I'll put the link to this particular newspaper in the comments, and you can look at it there if you would like to do that. While going through this edition of the Bolivar Bulletin for January the 8th, 1885, two observations came to me, and I'd like to share those with you. The first is just the number of fires that destroyed lives, homes, cotton, and buildings. Almost every other story was about a fire. and Many of these I didn't include in this episode because they appeared to be accidental, not criminal, but it was just the sheer overwhelming number of fires. The second observation I have is that all of these crime stories that I shared with you today were on the front page of the Bolivar Bulletin, and there were many other stories that I skimmed through that had nothing to do with crime. So this front page was jam-packed with news articles, which was very common at that time. You know, who knows how many other such articles were included on the inside pages of the paper. Please join me tomorrow when we'll look at the January 9, 1886 edition of the Milan Exchange.